Uh, let's move on to some more quiz questions. Uh, the book is The Undisputed Champions of Europe, How the Gods of Football Became European Royalty. And here are some questions about some gods. Who is the only player when post-1992 stats are taken into account to still be among the top 10 European Cup slash UEFA Champions League goal scorers? What is it a guess at that? Gerd Muller? No, although he is level with Muller. Um, Thomas Muller, that is. At time of recording, level on 49 goals are Thomas Muller and Alfredo Di Stefano. Ah, uh, yes. Makes total sense. So, yes. Uh, have you read the biography of him? No, I've not. No. No, something I've never, never got around to reading, but you know, it's, it's one of those when you... yeah, I, I, I read less now than I, than I do at any other point. I mean... So I used to be a prolific reader before I started writing again. I used to write for fanzines mm-hmm. back in the 90s and stuff like that. And then I stopped writing for about 10 years. And then I was, I was just you know, persuaded to have another go by my, what is now my wife. And um, th- and this is where it's all it's all come to. Um, so, yeah, in doing that downtime, you know, those, those, those years when I wasn't writing, I just read prolifically, you know, book after book after book. But when you're writing and, and doing a lot of podcasts and stuff like that, and, yeah, you just, you just finding the time to read is, is is difficult. Yeah, I get given quite a lot of books because it's it's kind of like the podcast we do. You know, when we do a podcast on the book and stuff like that, you know, you get to read those. So we do do some reading, but it tends to be the ones that you know we've been teed up for for doing the podcast, which you know are great. That that concept of saying right, I will go to you know Waterstones and walk away with a book that I've purchased and saying right, I'm going to sit down and read this. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a few more years before I can do something like that. These football times. Co slash podcasts uh, hyphen these hyphen football hyphen times. Uh, they have it on audio boom. So if you type these football times audio boom, uh, you will never be bored again. If there's another lockdown, your boredom will disappear. Uh, one of the greatest thrills is to listen to Stu anchor it, and then uh, the rotating cast of Gary, Steve, Jeff, Paul. Is that is it just you five? Uh, Lewis Henderson uh, comes in here uh-huh. and there as well. Um, Aiden. So yeah, we've we've got a, you know it's a great. It used to just be predominantly me, Stu. After we lost uh, you know the wonderful Jim Hart, yeah. You know, me, me, Stu, and, and Gary kind of like took it on to to keep his legacy going um, because you know Jim really kind of like you know believed in the podcast and you know we said right well well we'll have a pop and see what we can do with it and. You know, uh, there was a point in time when it just—it was just three of us, but we've managed to coax more and more in. You know, Aidan takes part. He, he hunts one that we we do call today's football times, which I'll look at. You know, more contemporary stuff. Uh, he also does some of the more historical stuff as well. Uh, but it, that that takes the pressure off Stu. You know, having to to, to front everything we do, uh, and within that, we've got this growing growing band of of, of TFT regulars. You know, uh, today's football times that that, that that come and help us out from time to time. So, you know, it, it's great. It's it's growing and uh, uh, and they're always a joy to do because it is just like going down the pub and chatting with your mates. It's you know, Gary, Gary says it all the time, and you know, I think I think for us it, it is just kind of like it's our night out. It's <laughs> you know, a it's pub our, it's in a night. dead. Sa- yeah, it's there's it dead sound. That it's it's dead good with dead sound. I.e., there's nothing around you. There's no chinking of glasses and. I recommend all of them. Um, I actually fear that I will be TFT'd because from Kids to Champions, which comes out next year. Ed, oh, you most definitely will. Ed, most definitely will. We, we, had, we had Chris Leon, uh, you know, who, who does the Outside Rise he's brilliant. Uh, podcast. Uh, and, you know, his is coming up. I think it's coming out very soon. You know, we recorded that just a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
and and yeah, that that was it, it was wonderfully surreal because it was kind of like having having been invited onto his podcast a few times to have them the opposite side. Bizarro world. You know, and yeah. yeah, it is. But which which is the same when we do the stag dudes for our own books on TFT. You know, the, there is that wonderful sense of nepotism to them because we we get to plug our own book, but at the same time, it brings a completely different set of pressure because you know suddenly the, the spotlight's turned. You know, you you, you usually in control of the spotlight but then the spotlight is kind of like turned on you and it is is properly properly surreal but enjoyable well talking of spotlights your specialist subject Stephen Scrag for today at least is the European Cup so uh, you have as long as this quiz goes on uh, let's go where was the 60-61 final held Switzerland was it Bern or Basel it was Bern can you say the name of the stadium without laughing uh, I can't but I will say it it's the Wankdorf Stadium Wankdorf Vankdorf should should be dub V, shouldn't it? Vankdorf, or is it were in Swiss? It, it should. It, well, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I, mean, I, mm. I go to Switzerland on a reason, you know, usually an annual basis in, in non-COVID times. But I, I, yeah, I, I think it needs pronouncing the way it's spelled. In which yeah. five years did Wembley, which will host the 2024 Champions League final, host the European Cup final? Which five years? Sixty-three, uh, uh, which was Milan. Benfica, 68, Man United, Benfica, uh, 71, Ajax, Panathinaikos, 78, Liverpool, Bruges, and 92, Barcelona, Sampdoria. Very, very good. And how did Wembley look? Because it would have been all standing. It would have been different to when you... Did you go to the Twin Towers when they were there? Yes, I, I went to yeah, good. a couple of football matches, a couple of concerts and stuff like that. It always looked better on, on the TV especially usually FA Cup final day throughout the 1980s when the sun tended to shine on Cup final day. Not always, but remember, remember 81 being being a, a torrential downpour. But when the sun used to bathe on, on Wembley and you used to see the outline and the, the shadow of the towers mm. and, and the arc and, the, and the, the roof and stand and stuff like that, yeah, it looked the part. And then you, you'd think of this, this wondrous, wondrous you know, cathedral of football and then you'd go and the reality was slightly different you know the it it it, it was you know quite um, quite rustic and smelled of wee um you know it, it was notoriously referred to by Liverpool fans who went on a you know almost like a, a an annual basis as, as something of a toilet so you know and I get that because it did smell like one at times um but it was this I don't know, it, it, it was Anfield South for many years. Correct, ding, ding, ding. That is what I learned. Uh, Wembley was referred to by Brian Barwick, whose new book should be on your Christmas list, as in as it should be for every Liverpool fan. I came bumping into Brian Barwick, confused him one time uh, at Anfield. He tipped up and uh, I recognised him, but didn't automatically recognise him as Brian Barwick. I just thought he was someone I recognised. And I do that all the time. I did it with Jason Manford one time at a music festival. I thought it was someone I'd worked with. And, and you know, and he found he found he found the humour in that. So yeah, you know, just the way my head works, I, 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 it's one of those that I, I don't ex- necessarily expect to see people that I know. And you know, if I do against the backdrop there, I'm not expecting to see them. It's almost like they're invisible. And it, yeah, it's all to do with a head injury from many, many, many years ago. So yeah, seeing Brian Barwick at Anfield, you know, I, I just presumed it was someone that you know, an acquaintance of some description, and I kind of like nodded at him and, and said, "Hi, hi, hi, how are we doing?" And he stood there and he chatted for kind of like, you know, 15, 20 seconds and we both moved on. And then it was only later on the penny dropped thinking that that, that fellow outside the ground, Brian Barwick, you know, but, you know he's, he's possibly still wondering, you know, the rest of the evening, who was that? I've just got uh, a call uh, from Danny Baker. He wants to borrow that feature for his treehouse. 
Have you ever, have you ever thought that a celebrity was a, an old mate and turned out to be a celebrity? That is proper. You should tell that to Danny. He'll get a kick out of it. Because <laughs> people probably confuse him for Brian Barwick. Who scored a hat-trick but still ended up on the losing side in the 1962 final? So that was De Stefano. In- I'm so sorry. It was the it was other Puskas. one. It was Puskas. Yeah. Puskas. Don't worry, it's all in the book. I think the, thing, the thing about Puskas is that you know he, he was just so... You know, uh, you know, if you ever sit and watch in the 1960 final, that, that iconic one against Eintracht Frankfurt. The one against Glasgow, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the thing about... Because you know, I, I wanted to watch those because it, it was certain finals uh, I felt I had to watch. I couldn't write... You, know, you, 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 can, you can pick up a lot through match reports and, and you know, limited footage and stuff like that, but... I, I don't tend to go into depth, huge, huge depth, without feeling like I've I've been able to see the full extent of a game. So yeah, the the sixty final was 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 like compulsive viewing because it, the way that the Stefano moved was it was almost like a watching Columbo be a footballer, the hunch of the shoulders. There's a bit of Jimmy Cagney about him, but a bit, a bit of Columbo about him. He, he did seem a little bit of his time as well. You know, I look at players and games in the past and think, you know, could that player slot into kind of like a game today and, and not stand out as being a relic or part a part of history? And there's nothing wrong with being a relic and a part of history within that. Uh, and I felt that when I was watching De Stefano, I was thinking he, he's kind of of his time and he, and he wouldn't necessarily be translatable to a, to a player today. But Pushkas, completely different matter. You know, the, the tricks and the flicks and the... And the Speed of, of, of thought and movements, and you're thinking, you know, some of the some of the movements were you know, stuff that players do today. You know, you look, I was looking at several, thinking these these are these are movements and skills and, and stuff that players did at the time and probably can, you know, continue to do for another couple of decades, but have died out of football. You know, so, but some of Pushkas's his movements and the way he played, no, they're, they're still very very relevant to today's game. And they've got some. Good Brazilians at the moment, um, Real Madrid, obviously massively in debt, but still great to watch today. What nationalities did Jose Altafini of AC Milan hold? Uh, he, was, he was Brazilian and Italian. Yeah, reminded me of Cameron AC. Uh, could you name all 11 of the Lisbon Lions? See how many you get. Some of them are easy. Yeah, probably not at the top of my head. Uh, Simpson. Yep. Craig. Yep. Yeah, Gemmell. Yep. McNeil. Mm-hmm. Johnston. Mm-hmm. Lennox. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark. Yep. How many is that? That's a pretty well, good. Off the top of your head, seven is pretty good. Murdoch, Wallace, Chalmers, no. and Old. Of course. Are the other four? The Lisbon Lions, nineteen sixty-seven. They still bang on about it, even though today Celtic are um, much like Man United. I think what's going on in Scotland, you're seeing Rangers overtake Celtic just because they run better off the pitch. But never forget, Rangers did go bust ten years ago and had to dissolve. Uh, United will never go bust. What was unique about the 1974 European Cup final? Uh, the only one to go to a replay. If the replay had finished level, would they have tossed a coin or would they have gone to a third replay? A second replay, rather. Because some of the semi-finals did uh, go yeah. to tough the, the, there, was, there was a huge amount of ambiguity at the time and many games just went with what the referee thought was right. Because um, they, didn't, they didn't always know. No, there's that wonderful... Uh, occasion where Rangers were not not doubt in seventy one seventy two in the Cup Winners Cup on uh, on penalties by I think it's Sporting Club, uh, only for it to be overturned because you know it, it wasn't a penalty shootout because Rangers had won on away goals, uh, and the, you know, this 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 was a rule that had been introduced the previous season for certain rounds. So you know it wasn't even like it was a 
a completely brand new entity. Have away um, goals been scrapped for this year's Champions League? I, I believe so. Yeah, I someone, so someone mentioned that, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is a, a mad thing, really. Again. Because you know, it, it, I, don't, I don't think it, it doesn't really propagate positive football. It, you know, I remember them doing that in the League Cup in the, in the 90s uh, for a while because they had the rule where away goals only counted at the end of extra time in the second leg of the semi-final and stuff like that. And then they did away with away goals for a bit and then it, it came back again. Now they've got rid yeah. of the second game, it seems, so that it gives the big teams a chance to do well in the Champions League. Who is the famous daughter? Actually, you can probably just answer the question. Do you want to guess who is the famous daughter? Of a member of the Leeds side who in the 1975 final injured Bjorn Anderson in the opening minutes with a career-ending tackle. Oh, indeed. Yes, Gabby Ollis. Yep. Oh, Gabby, Gabby Logan as she is now. That's right. And Terry is very... And she, you know, she, she's probably been Gabby Logan for many, many years there, and I'm, I'm still calling her Gabby Logan. Well, because you've, you've written about that cup final in 75 with Terry, uh, and he was destroyed. I picked up his memoir, um, Not Happy At All. Between 1977 and 1985, an English team appeared in every European Cup final, except when a future Fulham manager scored the winner in the 83 final. Who and for whom... Felix McGath for, for HSV, Hamburg. And which San Marinese was on the losing side? Oh, of course. Um, have I stumped him? You might have stumped me there. Benini. Benini. Of Juventus. Juventus were one of three teams which both won and lost a cup final in the 1980s. Name the other two. There was three, was there? Uh, Liverpool, won and lost. We've yeah, just Hamburg, mentioned one, won Hamburg. Lost. Yeah, yeah, Hamburg. If I say Dukadam... No, Staubucharest. Staubucharest. Um, and that, that, that Staubucharest were a, a, a largely abysmal team that won the European Cup in 1986, but were, were a, a largely magnificent team by the time they lost the 89 final. That's how... The introduction of Georgie Hadji and the, uh, uh, the evolution of, of Lakatush and, uh, yeah, they, 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 were a, they were a very good side. They fall under the radar for a lot of people, that, that Staubucharest side, because... Because of the negativity in which they won it in 1986 and the percentages that were played and the, and the physical side of it, and the, it was a penalty shootout in one of one of the worst European Cup finals. Not you know, not necessarily the worst, you know, it's, it's competition there. But people tend to be drawn by that. Yeah, and the fact that they, they, they were well beaten in the 89 final by Milan. Now, going into that final, some people have them down as the favourites because of the experience of 86 and how much they improved since 86. And Georgie Hadji sent, you know, essentially at the centre of it all, and this, this Romanian, the national side, was on the brink of the World Cup, you know, qualifying for the World Cup. And, and there was a, a lot of people who felt that, that, that Stau would, would win. And uh, in a way, that 89 final, people will, will point to 94 in the Champions League final victory against Barcelona. Uh, you know that 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 win in '89 against Bucharest shouldn't be undersold. It's it's up there with the performance that, that that they put in five years later in Athens. There are two pieces recent recentish on these football times. One about Red Star Belgrade, Kresna Zvezda, and Stauer, the fallen giants of Eastern European football, and one about Dukadam and the dream shootout. What a horribly tragic story. Uh, Dukadam, never forget. Who missed Barcelona's four penalties in the 86 final? Oh, uh, Alonso missed one? Yep, think odd consonants. Yeah, I, I, can, I can picture that the, there is there is kind of an X in there. Yeah, um, Alex. Yeah, Alexanko. Uh, yeah, Alexanko. Yeah, Pedraza. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's, I, he's the one that I always, I always struggle with. And I don't know uh, which Alonso you meant. Uh, Marcos Alonso and Pichi Alonso both missed. Yes. Yeah. And that was 86, and that was Terry Venables' uh, greatest moment. Um, English managers winning the European Cup, whom do you, did you enjoy writing about more? Clough or... Who, who was oh, the Villa manager? Saunders, not Saunders. Uh, Tony Barton. Tony Barton, yes. Yeah, Tony Barton picked up the, picked up the baton as, uh, as Ron Saunders quit. Uh, I, I found them fascinating because they, they are within that era of, of genesis of football for me. You know, I've often said it, you know, the football was always there, but it, it was kind of like part of the furniture at, at our house for, you know, uh, as, as I'm young. And then eventually there is a point where, uh, you know, that point where you start to watch football because you want to rather than because you're told to or it's on. And, and that was, I always remember it, it, it was, yeah, match of the day, uh, February 1980, Liverpool, Norwich City, Carrow Road, game ended 5-3, David Furcliffe with a hat-trick, he had flame red hair like I had at the time, uh, and Justin Fashion scored the, the goal of the season. You know, it, it had that League Cup ball as well, you know, that red and white panel ball, uh, League Cup final ball. Uh, and it just added a little bit of everything in, into that game. And you know that that was the point of genesis that I was I was I was fully sold on it. Then. This this is this is great. This this isn't just good. This is great. Uh, and that meant that you know my like say going back to kind of like who your Doctor Who is and stuff like that. And, you know I I go back to seventy nine eighty and seventy nine eighty 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 one eighty one eighty two all those formative years uh, of kind of like understanding what football's about and, and getting what a league table means and, and all of that. The, the rivals to Liverpool weren't, you know, the, the challenges didn't come from Goodison and Old Trafford. They weren't coming from London. It was it was Aston, it was John Saunders, Aston Villa, and it was Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest. They were they were the rivals. I've always had a huge amount of respect for them, uh, the, those two sides and the achievements that they had. Uh, and I, I enjoyed writing that chapter as, as much for the for, for the Villa part as the Forest part. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even more so because that that Villa success falls within the shadow of Forest two two wins and the fact that it's Brian Clough and Clough absorbs so much light. But that Villa success, you know, so much is rightly made of Forest kind of climbing out of the second division in 77 and being European champions in 79. Uh, but Villa went from third division to European champions in 10 years. Uh, it was a hell of a haul. And, and the fact that, you know, they had such a good side in 77 when they won the League Cup and, and a strong side. Uh, but then, over the intermittent years of the 1980s dawns, they, they have this huge sell-off of players. They, they sell the best part of, or sell slash lose, the best part of like £4 million worth of players, which is astronomical at that point in time. You know, Saunders still managed to form this side that wins the league title in 80-81, and then doesn't get the credit for it because everyone will, will argue the fact that Ipswich were the better side and they were going for a treble and they played 20-odd games more than Villa and somehow that Villa side doesn't deserve But that Villa side played some great football. Tony Morley... The winger was was you know outstanding. Dennis Mortimer, just just a wonderful footballer, and you know as bludgeoning as he is, you know great goals from from Peter Wither and Gary Shaw was 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 a wonderful player too. But they they deserve to win. No team you know wins a title without deserving to win the league title. You, you have some years where more than one team would be a worthy champion, and you can only have one. Yep. It's like when Liverpool and Man City went for it the other year, and they were both up on ninety odd points, and you know only one could win it. Uh, you know, eighty-five, eighty-six. West Ham. If West Ham had nailed it, they, they'd, have, they'd have deserved it. Same with Everton. You know, QPR in mm-hmm. seventy-six are another one. There are teams. You know, football is littered with teams that 
that could have won it and would have deserved so had they done it, but it didn't doesn't lessen you know, the the actual champions' you know, and, achievement. But they, after they, all, they come because they deserve it. That's uh, where the cool kids hung out, and this is the the third book of the trilogy. If you go to the book Stag Do at these football times, you'll hear the discussion about Heisel. You say it's a gun loaded by multiple groups with the trigger pulled at the end. Uh, Stu Horsfield calls it brave writing. But what I wanted to focus on was if Michel Platini was the world's best player in 85, shouldn't he have acted like it and been a little less heartless? Uh, Platini is a, a, a hugely polarizing character you know with massive flaws and you know a, a flawed genius you know people talk about George Best being a flawed genius uh, you know his flaws were you know weaknesses uh, for temptation you know Platini's weaknesses are myriad but they they tend to be of a political nature you know he himself has has argued and counter-argued against about against himself where he's, he's, he's said in one interview he knew about the disaster he knew what was happening you know, when he celebrated with that European Cup. Yeah, he's turned around in other interviews and said, I, I, I had no idea. I didn't know. Uh, you know, teammates have turned around and said, yes, of course we all knew. So much is, is wrong with the 1985 European Cup, but no, no more so than those who died, you know, the 39 who died. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Platini, you know, Platini's, Platini's, I don't know, even in there is, is uncomfortable as well. Yeah, that's what I, I took away from learning about Heisel. Never, ever forget. It wasn't just the fans storming. It wasn't just the battle. It was the whole caboodle, to, to put it bluntly. And Joe yeah, Fagan's it, managerial it, it, career it, it, ended there. It did. I mean, again, that's that's one of those kind of like, um, I don't know, urban myths as well, you know, that, that he, he, he quit because of it. You know, he, he'd already put in his resignation. He, he told the board months beforehand that, you know, this, this was at the end of the season. You know, I, I'd relinquish the, the role and, and you need a successor. You know, whether he... I, 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 I'm still of the mind that he, he may well have walked away, even if he, he'd intended to stay on for another season. It, it might have promoted, it might have provoked him to walk away regardless. But yes, Joe Fagan, uh, you know, uh, uh, an eminently you know, wonderful man who, who was broken by Hayes. Um, and of course, it meant that you missed six years of going to Anfield for some meaningful football. Uh, against European opposition. Uh, I asked Paul if Everton's great team could have beaten AC Milan's team. Quite clearly, uh, Liverpool's team would have beaten AC Milan's team at the end of the 80s. Who beat PSV, Austria Vienna, Anderlecht and Real, but lost to a Porto side containing Harry Redknapp's best friend, Paolo Futra? That was Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. And which future manager of the Mannschaft played in that game? Yeah, no, actually, who is the current German It's quite right oh, to take Tonsi Flick. Yeah. I, I, yeah, but the German manager, because Joachim Lowe had the job for so long, mm. and, and the whole scrap, the whole scratch and sniff thing, you know, it, it's it's so hard. To, and the fact that Joachim Lowe looked so much like Hillary from um, from Neighbours in the 1980s, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm still struggling to kind of like countenance that anyone else is the German manager at the moment. And indeed, he'll be there for Qatar, along with David Beckham, who has taken the money, and no wonder he didn't get the knighthood. Who had teammates called Waddle, Papan, Pele and Bolly, but couldn't get past a load of his fellow Yugoslavians in 1991? Oh, Dragon Stokovic. Imagine being him. Imagine that. that. That's... Uh, and then you look like two years later when it's the first Champions League final and Papan's, you know, part of the Milan side that lose to Marseille. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's one of those just... Mad, wonderful 
quirks of football that, that'll throw those. It, you know, it was. It's like uh, I think one of my favourites is um, Ron Atkinson. I remember being in Salute. Was it? I was in Spain on holiday when uh, and, and then uh, during an era in which the, the newspapers that you pick up. British newspapers were like a day out of date. So, you know, it'd be Wednesday, you were getting Tuesday's newspapers and stuff like that. Ron Atkinson was the manager of Sheffield Wednesday and Aston Villa made a, an attempt to, to, to employ him. And he said, no, I'd be, I'd be mad to leave Sheffield Wednesday. And then within 48 hours, he was the, uh, the Villa manager mm. and stuff like that. And then, the, and then out come the fixture list in the first game of the season for Aston Villa was away to Sheffield Wednesday. It, it's just, yeah, I, I love stuff like that. It's what, it's what keeps this dappled uh, game this so-called beautiful game, which it isn't. A couple of easy questions to finish this chat with Stephen Scragg, the new book, which is out now uh, on Pitch Publishing. It's his third. It's called The Undisputed Champions of Europe, How the Gods of Football Became European Royalty. Get it for Christmas. Read it in that weird time between December 27 and January 1. That's when... Yes, that, that is what I think that is what a lot of people do, especially people who are... Uh, compelled to kind of like uh, review online. Interesting. So go out, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here. Um, I'll ask you in a sec to pick your European Cup eleven, which I guess will be oh. um, like how in the Champions League it's mainly Real and Barca with the smattering of Man United players and possibly Didier Drogba. But how did UEFA keep nations teams apart? Because it was a cold war in the entire era. Um, so, in the way that you, they keep Russian and Ukrainian teams apart, were Satan were there kind of security risks at picking teams from the same nation or neighbouring nations when that happened? Yeah, well, the teams playing each other from the same nations were, were a rarity because you you, you had to be your league champions to, to to take part in the in the Europe with the European Cup at least. You know, Liverpool Forest in in seventy eight seventy nine. You know, is, is one of the, the exceptions when it comes to the European Cup. But yeah, you know, it, it, it was just a case of, you know, the, the, the draw was made. Uh, there was the instance of 68, 69, when uh, Czechoslovakia had been invaded by uh, an axis of, of Eastern European uh, miscreants led by the Soviet Union. So, you know, there, there was that year where UEFA decides to do a draw in the, uh, in the first round for kind of like a, an Eastern European draw and, and Western oh, Europe. Okay. But then there was a phalanx of teams that just you know, withdrew on, on the back of that. You know, it was a wonderful season in which Slovan Bratislava win the Cup Winners' Cup and Trnava uh, reached the semi-finals of uh, the European Cup, uh, you know, in riposte to this, this concept, the fact that they'd been invaded and, and an uprising had been quelled. Uh, but predominantly, you know, the games would just take place. You know, if there was a a serious political issue between two two nations. Then you know, there, there were occasions where you know one nation might one one team might be uh, advised by the the handlers to drop out. You know, for mm. instance. But generally, you know, teams would would get on with it and just play. You know, the, the, some of the most fascinating ones to write about have always been when Western East Germany. You know, Clash and you know Magdeburg and Bayern Munich in 74, 75 is a prime example of that. And the the story of how the stars he booked the the Bayern dressing room and the, the, the Magdeburg coach refused to listen in uh, when when handed the oh, interesting. headphones basically and, and stuff like that. You know, but yeah, you know these 
the teams just they just tended to get it. And that was one of the great things about football is that you know it did kind of pave the way for for you know uh, that that love of football you know and, and it was kind of like yeah no we'll we'll, we'll drop the borders for this but it's 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 kicking a, a round inflated ball around a rectangular patch of grass. And then came the Champions League and money, uh, which you won't write about. Someone Champions else, League. someone else will write someone's, that book. That is someone else's. I'll, I'll, I'll not be writing about those. Um, you know, it, it needs to be. I was a great, great believer in that. You know, if you come to write a book, an article, whatever it is, you need to have that passion or that obsession or that interest in it. You know, I've not for that that brand of the European Cup. I say it's it's a, a different type of good. I've enjoyed watching Liverpool mm-hmm. in the Champions League, doing some mad, mad things. And, and, and yeah, I won't take them back. But you know, that's that's not my area. You need someone who's probably about twenty years younger than me to be writing writing that book. Let me just get the date of the Champions League final. It's in St Petersburg again. It's Vladimir's day. Uh, it will be on May twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Liverpool might be in it. Yeah. Chelsea might be so, in it. Well, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool. You know, were there. You know, they, they, they've insisted on giving us hard. Uh, locations to reach, you know, Kiev, Istanbul, Athens. You know, we, we, we don't tend to be given the easy trip into Northern Europe that, that, that takes only a couple of hours. There, there has to be some kind of arduous nature to the to the finals that we get to. Hey, it's good crap. Saint Peter's Saint Petersburg ticks that box, you know, absolutely. Uh, I've already got a mate who's who's converting a van in, in preparation for a potential road trip. Well, I will. I'll check in with you in May. Uh, by which time you will be working on another book, or are you taking a sabbatical? Uh, no, I do have another one to push over the finish line for next year uh, on the nineteen eighty six World Cup. Ooh. So that's that's currently yeah, that's currently in operation, but that's that's due out in May. I'd love uh, to know about that because uh, I, I imagine the letters F A R C will appear very heavily in your book. Um, yeah, well, no, well, but you know, it's or is it about the tournament itself? No, it's about it's it's a bit it's about Tom itself, but it's, it's a bit it's a bit of everything. So you no, know, it's the fact that it should have been Colombia. You know, I think I think I, I can't do self analysis very well on, on on how I write. I mean, Stu keeps on asking on on the on the Stag Group podcast. Yeah, he was you know, desperate. desperate. How do you write? And I I can't I can't really come up with, a, with a, an adequate explanation. It comes from somewhere. I just write, you know, um, automatically, and it's like it, it it just drops on the keyboard. Within that, you know, I think Paul came up with a point saying that you know there's, there's a social aspect to it. You know, it, it, the books will, you know, they, they touch on kind of like what those eras were like and what surrounds. The best way you can put it, you know, there's a bit of pattern analysis in there, and you know, I, I like to be able to try and make it feel like it felt then. You know, and within that, you have to kind of like know the context of when these competitions took place and what was happening so you know yeah 86 will touch on it touch you know it's the earthquake in mexico city yeah. it's the fact that, that columbia backed out of the tournament uh, you know i managed to speak to clive toy about you know america when they tried to to, to get the, the 86 world cup and and all of that and so you know it's, it's not just about what's on the football pitch it, you know it does it does go into you know a, a myriad of, of things and, and the hand of god is obviously part of that and you know, I'm trying to detach that and, and say, well, look, this is this is what happened, and uh, you know, so give it its own chapter and say, well, look, you know, we'll, we'll marry it up with Argentina later on. But you know, you, it's like you know, you, so you talk about Argentina, 1986 World Cup, and it's it's Maradona. And yes, you know, uh, I always say that, you know, can you name 
any of the teams that Argentina played before facing England for the 1986 World Cup. Egypt? Uh, and, Cameroon? You know, no, no, South Korea was one, Italy, um, Uruguay in the last 16. But, you know, I'll say it tends to be a sticking point for people because especially people in, in Britain, as they cannot see past you know, the hand of God. You know, they, they know what came well, I wasn't alive, so but... Yeah, I don't. Wonderful know. goal. Yeah, the wonderful goals against Belgium and, and the fact that they, you know they, they 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 won the final against West Germany in what was a you know a, a dramatic final in the end. Eighty six, you say? Yeah, so eighty six. Yeah. Well, that that follows up a book that came out a year ago today. I hope you wish Stu a happy anniversary for his book, nineteen eighty two Brazil: The Glorious Failure, the day football died. I sent a birthday card. Wonderful. Um, sorry, you were saying. It's, it's all of that that surrounds a tournament and, and you know, an event. So no matter what you, you, I'm writing about, I try to, you know, put some kind of spin on it that makes, uh, bring, brings alive how that era felt. It's just to, to reawaken what, what was happening then. You know, it's not just a simple kind of like, you know, such and such past, such and such, and it was a goal. It, it, it's writing about what surrounds these things as much as what they are. I wish you luck. When's it out? The manuscript is due at the end of January. Ah, that's um, the same, yeah, same as mine. It is projected to be out uh, towards the end of May, which it's, uh, I, think, I think, May 30th or something like that, which was the date that uh, the 86 World Cup kicked off in. Mm, 35 so given, 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 that, given that we don't have a, a summer World Cup, it's going to be a winter World Cup, then you know, it's, it, it's a World Cup, but when, the, when there was meant to be a World Cup. I wonder if FIFA will do something just to run highlights of all the... World Cups from 1930 to today in the summer because of the winter one. But we're not mentioning the Winter World Cup. We know why. Quickly, as you can, off the top of your head, your European Cup 11. Uh, Cruyff is in there. Pushkas is in there. I'm, I'm going back to front here, but yeah, yeah. the most predominant. Uh, I'll, I'll have, I'll have Gerd Muller in there. So that's Cruyff in a deep lying role. Darglish, because he's Darglish. Yeah, of course. Uh, you've got to have the dink over, over to cover. Probably, probably her towards Ducker Dan for, for Goal, Breitner, um, um, Beckenbauer, Johnny Rapp. Uh, I think you need a right back and a left mid. I need, I need a right back. Phil Neal. Yep, of course. Phil Neal. He was the, the Maldini of his time, played and won four European Cup finals with Liverpool. Uh, something Maldini who later uh, emulate. So, yeah, who, who, what am I missing now? Maybe a left back? No, no Breitner. Breitner's a left back. I think you need a left winger. Yeah, a left back. A left winger might push rep out there. In which John case, Robertson, you... John, Rob, John, John Robertson can have the left wing. Perfect to satisfy a young man. Young man, um, that's wicked. What a team! And they would demolish Messi and Ronaldo. It's boring. No one ever went. Oh, who's better, Eusebio or Puskas? That the narrative today yeah. is something that these football times is the antidote. To today's football coverage, you can have that. Stick it in your family album. Stuart, uh, Stuart Horsfield is the, the the host of those podcasts. <laughs> Stephen Scrag, the undisputed champions of Europe. How the gods of football became European royalty on your Christmas list. Doesn't matter if you're a fan of football or not. It's a story of humans playing a game. And uh, best of luck. You, has it got a title? Your next book. Uh, in the heat of the midday sun. Good. Just like the library. Just like the library.